Destination Medicine is a joint project of the regional training hubs. This podcast series brings you medical students' accounts of their experiences in applying to study medicine. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman. When Imogen Hines was in high school, there was no discussion about medicine as a possible career. Imogen finished school and went on to the University of Sydney to study as a dietitian. But that didn't turn out to be quite the right fit. And at that point, it was time for a change of direction. And so, as if by fate, she says, Imogen came to medicine. Since then, she's embraced everything it has to offer and she believes she's lucky to be in a most amazing profession. Imogen is now completing her medical degree at the Notre Dame Rural Clinical School in Wagga Wagga, and next year plans to start as a junior doctor at Wagga Wagga Base Hospital. But let's go back to the decision that changed the course of Imogen's career, when she was still studying as a dietitian, with a trip to Scandinavia as part of her course, and watching rather a lot of television in the process. Imogen shares her story with Heather Dawson. It was the start of 2015 and I was on exchange in Norway for my dietetics degree. And while I was there, because I didn't speak very good Norwegian, the only sort of way to watch television was to watch ABC iView because it kind of predated Netflix. And so I was watching a lot of ABC iView and at the time they were airing a program called Outback ER, which was about the emergency department in Broken Hill. And I really kind of identified, I guess, with the junior doctors on the program. It was one of the first times I'd seen a medical documentary that wasn't just focused on consultants, but also looked at the interns and the residents and the registrars. And I thought, wow, that is really cool. (laughs) That's what I want to do. And so I sort of signed up to sit the GAMSAT kind of two days later (laughs) and decided that I wanted to be a doctor. And that was that, really. Yeah. Wow. So you never considered another direction in health apart from just being a doctor? Yeah, well, because I was studying dietetics, I was interested in that. And that was the path that I thought I would go down. But I'd also, I hadn't really enjoyed my placements. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with dietetics. It just wasn't really what I thought it would be. And it wasn't the thing for me. And kind of having the opportunity for medicine to come into my life, that was a really positive step and something that I really liked. It was both intellectually and emotionally rewarding. And that was kind of more up my alley, I guess. (laughs) So you decided to change directions and become a doctor. So did you tell your family? Did you tell your parents, your friends? What did they all say? Yeah, I was really open with it. I was very kind of public with the fact that that's what I wanted to do. And I told a lot of people, I guess I was just so excited by the whole prospect of it. And I really threw myself into it. In hindsight, I probably wouldn't have been quite as open, not necessarily because of a fear of failure, although that's why a lot of people do try and keep it a secret, but more because I found during the process, I had a lot of people going, oh, have you heard about GAMSAT yet? Have you heard about interviews yet? And I'm trying to forget about it and focus on my life and put that in the back corner. And then every time somebody asked, it was a reminder of like, oh, yeah, I am waiting to find out. And I wonder how I'll go and it would make me nervous. So it's good to tell a few people and have a really small circle of people that are really informed, but maybe don't tell the whole world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did you have a mentor or somebody to guide you through before you were accepted into medicine? 
I was really lucky. When I left school, I got a scholarship to live at the women's college when I was doing my undergrad, which meant that I was surrounded by a couple of girls a few years ahead of me who were either applying to medicine or had already been accepted into medicine. And so they formed a really key help with that. In particular, there were two students, both of whom are now rural doctors. And they were really supportive and had a chat to me about, you know, the best ways to deal with the GAMSAT and really silly niche things like when to line up to go into the exam hall so that you didn't spend an hour and a half waiting for the exam to start sitting in a chair in silence. All of those little things they were really helpful for. (laughs) So when you decided to apply for medicine, Imogen, did you map out a plan? What were your first steps? The first thing I did, because I was studying at UCID, I guess I was a bit more familiar with their website and how things worked and how to look at degrees. So the first thing I did was look at medicine at UCID and they had a really good flow chart of everything that you needed to do. And they had a good flow chart of like, this is how it works if you're a regular applicant. This is how it works if you're a rural applicant. This is how it works if you're Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. And it was really helpful to look at that and just get an idea of what kind of the basics were like sitting GAMSAT. There was an interview and all of those sorts of things. And then the other thing that I stumbled across while I was researching was a website called pagingdoctor.net. And it was this incredible website with 15,000 people on it. Uh, It was a forum and there were people who'd gotten into medicine, people who were doctors, people who were applying. And there was a lot of sort of resources about how people had studied for GAMSAT or how they'd applied, what they'd written in their portfolios. People had written about their interview experiences. So when it became time to sit the interviews, I could read through and see how the day worked and you know what the stations were and how long I had for each station and could mentally prepare myself and practice. And that was probably one of the better things that I found in terms of resources. There's a lot of information to read through, but once you put it all together, it makes sort of sense and it made the process far easier. Well, Imogen, you sounds like you were totally committed to becoming a doctor, but what would have happened if you hadn't got in? Did you have a fallback position? Yeah, so my plan was a graduate position at the Department of Health in Canberra. That was my kind of backup option. I've always been really interested in the big picture side of things, so I thought that would be a good place to go and get at least 12 months of experience from the more bureaucratic end of the spectrum before going into medicine. Anyway, you got it. The plan was always medicine, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what tips would you give to people listening to you now about the application or selection process? Research. That would definitely be the biggest tip I could give. Research all the different universities, what they're interested in, what you want. Try and talk to students that are there if you can in order to work out sort of how to best apply for each university, which university you think will be the best fit for you and which universities you think you'll also be the most competitive at because there's no point wasting a preference or paying $200 to apply to a university if you don't really have a chance of being selected there. Now, Imogen, you mentioned GAMSAT not long ago. Tell us your experience with GAMSAT. It's a pretty horrible exam, if I'm honest with you. It's quite long and grueling. I applied to sit it. I wouldn't recommend necessarily that people follow my lead on how to best prepare for GAMSAT, which is basically that I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, I was very fortunate. I'd done dietetics and I think the structure of the exam just really worked with how my brain is kind of wired and programmed. And so I, in that way, I was really lucky. I could just approach it from the answer is on the page and I could find the answer, whereas not everyone has that experience and a lot of people do have to spend a bit more time studying. 
The one thing that I did do to prepare was I did a couple of practice papers, which Acer produce, and I think they're about $25 or $30 each. And so I did those and they were a good kind of practice run. And I think for me, it was really getting into the habit of being able to sit an exam for eight hours. That was hard. (laughs) And then, of course, there's the interview process. And I Mm. think with Notre Dame, there are lots of mini interviews. Is that right? Yeah. How did you prepare for the interview process? (laughs) A lot more vigorously than I did the Gabsat, that is for sure. I met a group of people on Paging Doctor, randoms that I'd never met before in my life, and we met up initially once a week to practice interview questions, and then after we got our offers, we met three times a week. So two afternoons a week where we'd do one station, and then on a weekend we'd do a practice run-through of the whole interview. That was something that I absolutely recommend, even though it was a huge time commitment. Typically, one in three people who sit the interview will get a place. In our group of 10, all 10 of us received a spot and eight of us got a Commonwealth-supported place. So it was absolutely, I think, the best way to prepare for the interview. The first day I practiced, someone asked me a question and I sort of sat there and stared at them and my mouth opened up and down like a fish. And it was only later that I got into the habit and it was really nice to be able to go in and go, okay, I know what I'm going into. I know how to answer these questions. I can do this. Pretty nerve-wracking, though, all the same, was it? Yes. Yes, it, it was very – didn't sleep much the night before. I couldn't eat breakfast. I was so nervous. And I was in the last slot of the day as well, and I remember coming out at sort of 5 o'clock in the afternoon and being super hungry because I hadn't eaten anything for 24 hours oh. and just very relieved that it was over. <laughs> now, you're studying at Rural Clinical School campus in Wagga. Has your clinical experience been different to metropolitan placements? And in what way, if they have? It's hard to comment on that because my experience of metropolitan medicine is quite limited to a couple of GP placements and some pathology placements that I did in the preclinical years. I spent most of my time in Wagga, so most of my experiences or differences are anecdotal. But one particular memory that really stands out to me is playing staff versus student stalker, and I don't think that would happen at a metropolitan hospital. And I had this really great image in my memory of, two of the consultants running down the field trying to score a goal in their suit and ties and their dress shoes. <laughs> so I think that is one of the biggest ways is that kind of flattened hierarchy and much more comfortable, fun feel. In addition to the actual clinical differences, of course, from having patients who present a little bit later and being a bit more diverse in how you have to practice and not as subspecialized. Well, you're obviously really embracing medicine, Imogen, but have you suffered from imposter syndrome? Because it's something that we do ask the students. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is a really tough thing. I guess I was really lucky that I had experience as a professional athlete before I went into medicine. And that gave me an opportunity to really grapple with and deal with imposter syndrome. And to be able, for me, the best way, there are two really good ways that I can kind of approach it. The first is I look back at 10 or 11 year old me and I think, would she be proud of what I have achieved? Would she expect me to have achieved this? And of course the answer is no. She would be so totally shocked and amazed and happy with how her life has panned out. And the second way I guess I approach it is I think imposter syndrome manifests from when something good happens to you, you put it down to luck. And when something bad happens, you think it's your fault. That's how I kind of think the root cause of it is And so for me, I acknowledge the fact that getting into medicine is a really arbitrary process. 
I didn't necessarily choose to have the skills or attributes that they were looking for, but for whatever reason, I happened to have them. And through no fault of my own, I got to be here. And that's the same as everybody else. And we're all in that position. There are plenty of people out there who'd make fantastic doctors whom the highly arbitrary process decided not to pick. Uh, So I just remind myself of that, that I'm no more or less deserving of being here than anybody else, and that it's a privilege to be here and enjoy the journey. Can I ask you about your study techniques? Have you nailed them? (laughs) No, definitely not. Every year of medicine is completely different to the one before it. In my first year, I spent a lot of time writing notes and that was helpful at the time, but there's no way I could manage to do that in the clinical years when you're in a hospital for 40 to 50 hours a week. It would be a massive time suck. I've tried Anki, which are online flashcards. I've tried reading up on conditions. I've tried so many different study techniques. I guess I haven't nailed it at all. I just try and do whatever is the most enjoyable to me at the time and the most likely to get me to actually study and pray and hope. Was there maybe one piece of advice that you wish you'd been given before you started on your medical career? I wouldn't say there's advice that I wish I was given, but there's one piece of advice that I was given that I would definitely love to keep passing on to the generations behind me, and that's to enjoy the journey. In medicine, it's so easy to get caught up looking ahead and I can't wait until I'm in my clinical years or I can't wait until I'm an intern or I can't wait until I'm this, that or the other. And it takes so long to go through all those processes and you never really know what's going to happen. And you just have to enjoy the process. And it is such an incredible experience. There are so many things that I've gotten to do in my degree that I never imagined. One of the absolute highlights was I got to go over to New York to present at the United Nations. And that is, I could never have imagined myself ever doing that when I started medicine. And it's such a beautiful experience and you really do have to enjoy the journey. Well, tell us, Imogen, what's been your overall experience in applying for medicine? And do you have any key messages that you'd like to give anybody considering medicine as a career? That's a tough question. Overall, I mean, it's been a tough journey. It's not easy, but I don't think anyone expects it to be. And I don't think any career path is easy. I guess the only thing I could really say is if you're thinking about it, if you have the itch, you've got to scratch it, give it a try, see how it goes. It is an incredible career. I am not every day. There are days when I wake up and think, oh, why did I do this? But I have so many moments of thinking, wow, how lucky am I to be here, to be able to do this, to be present in this particular moment in time for that particular person. A really interesting clinical case comes through the door and you just think, wow, this job is so amazing and it will continue to be like that and it will never get stale or boring. And if it does, you can just change path and go to a different area of medicine. It's a beautiful career and I definitely think it's something that everyone should consider regardless of whether you think you're capable of it or not. Because I spent a lot of my life thinking that someone like me could never be a doctor because I wasn't smart enough or I wasn't studious enough And it's not the case at all. Okay, well, final question, Imogen. What is it about medicine that you could never prepare for? Definitely the social side of things. That's taken me by surprise. I suppose I knew that studying medicine could be a little bit like going back to high school with the pros and cons of that. But I was surprised by how social and how tight-knit the medical community is, especially the rural medical community. I've been really involved in AMSA Rural and a bunch of rural health conferences with other students and rural doctors and I've made some incredible friendships out of it. Some of my closest friends have come out of that rural medicine community and that's probably what I couldn't have prepared for 
But it's been an absolute joy and I'm so lucky and privileged to really be able to be a part of that community of people. Imogen Hines from the Notre Dame Clinical School in Wagga Wagga. We trust you've enjoyed this episode of Destination Medicine, a joint project of the regional training hubs. The hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Programme.